Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's the nighttime host. Keeping Pearson on the fan. We call this KM to AM. Two hours down, three more to go. Thanks for rocking with us. Thanks for calling. I mean, thanks for choosing to listen to WFAN, whether you're listening in your car or on an actual radio or the free Odyssey app or streaming on your desktop. There's a bunch of ways to listen. And you could be listening to music. You could be listening to podcasts. You could just be listening to your TV and watching something. But I appreciate you spending the time with us tonight. 877-337-6666. I'm a sports fan. I like to talk all sports. And I think we've been weaving in and out of the NFL conversations and baseball conversations and NBA conversations specifically with the Knicks and as I'm watching this Knicks team now go on a run, and we've been talking about the addition of Dante DiVincenzo and the whole Wildcats and Villanova thing, and I'm looking at, you know, Brunson and, and DiVincenzo play together, and they're handling most of the scoring tonight. I'm just like, I, I have this thought that I have, and I said it already tonight, and I also likened it to the L.A. Dodgers about, like, when you get close or you have talent, you don't rest on your laurels. You don't you don't chill. You don't just think that you have enough. You go all in. Funny enough, you know, today, uh, <laughs> Jerry Jones, I can't stand the Dallas Cowboys. I think last night I was talking about when my son picks a team, I'm not disowning the team that I picked as a child, but when my son picks a team, I'll definitely wear the jersey to match him and take him to games and root for his team because I can't get behind the Dallas Cowboys. But now, Jerry Jones claims that the Dallas Cowboys are going all in. Jerry Jones claims that uh, this offseason you're going to see the Dallas Cowboys go all in. Yep, he said, in 2024, we will be going all in. I would say that you will see us this coming year not build it for the future. Well, duh. What are you talking about, bro? You just went 12-5 and three straight years. What are you talking about, bro? You're right there. You just can't get over the hump because you're fraudulent. And I was talking last night how there was uh, audio circulating from uh, John Machota, who covers the Dallas Cowboys, talking about being in the war room with them and the Detroit Lions, who we were speaking of. I'm working on getting some audio from Detroit radio that you guys got to hear. The Detroit Lions actually called Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, who you guys literally hear me say this all the time, and I keep saying it. There's so many parallels. They called them to offer him somebody. We don't know exactly who it was. But Stephen Jones, the director of personnel, was not familiar with this player from the Lions that they were willing to trade. And uh, he he's he's the director of personnel, the vice president, the owner's son. And 
I always liken it to a couple years ago when Gettleman got out of here and they fired Joe Judge, and there was a video from Giant Stadium, from MetLife Stadium, of a fan yelling at the mayor saying, we need football people, not family. And what did they do? They go out and they get Joe Shane and Brian Dable. Book is still out on them, but that first year was great. The Dallas Cowboys need football people, not family. They brought back Mike McCarthy, and now they're saying that they're not sure about an extension for Dak Prescott. You painted yourself into the corner, not picking up his rookie deal, a fourth-round pick that you never believed in that became what he became in spite of you. You franchise-tagged him the first time, paid him $35 million, went to franchise-tag him again, gave him this extension, and it's already about to be up this year, going to cost you some $50, 60000000 million this year. Jerry Jones is getting what he deserves. But, yeah, going back to that, you guys got to go out there if you're interested, Dallas Cowboys fans or just NFL fans, and hear the audio from the Detroit Lions trying to call Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones and make a trade, and Stephen Jones doesn't know the player they're talking about, claims, oh, yeah, we'll call you back, never calls him back. Like, yeah, the Dallas Cowboys get lucky. Micah Parsons fell into their lap. CeeDee Lamb fell into their lap. Trayvon Diggs fell into There's a bunch of talented players that the Cowboys have been able to draft. Fell into their lap. I, lap. I think they wanted to take Johnny Manziel the year they got Zach Martin. <laughs> Lucked out. 877-337-6666. Okay. Before we get back to the phones, we're obviously talking Knicks. Still talking some NFL. As we just took all of those calls on Dan Campbell here in New York on Tuesday night. I'm like, what is uh, Detroit radio like right now? What, is, what has it been like the last three days? And even our very own Al Dukes had that thought, and he expressed it online yesterday. And I thought it was funny he put a challenge out to the callers. Al Dukes is hilarious. He said, here's how I think sports radio will change in the near future. Two-hour shows, no callers. Most callers bring nothing to the table every now and then. And he said, you know, he was thinking as he was answering calls for the morning show on Monday, like, man, what is Detroit like right now? And what is Detroit radio like with these callers? And he said, I was just thinking how there's probably some dopes calling Detroit Sports Radio saying they should fire Dan Campbell. The next call I pick up, the Lions need to fire Dan Campbell. Let's play what Detroit Radio sounds like. I heard this today. I went to comment. I wrote something and I deleted it because I'm just like, I'm just going to leave it alone. I feel bad for them. Go for it. It is not to make you feel worse, but it is to make you understand what I truly think of this team. You didn't just lose the NFC title game last night. You lost the Lombardi Trophy. Mm. I truly believe the team that played in the first half of that game beats the brakes off the Kansas City Chiefs. You lost the Super Bowl. In arguably the worst third quarter of football maybe we've ever seen in an NFC title game. So as much as it hurts, I woke up feeling you didn't just lose the right to play in the game, I think you lost the right to have a parade down Woodward. You had already beat the Chiefs earlier this year. Even though that was a long time ago, you showed that you can go into Kansas City on ring celebration night and go toe-to-toe, and you beat them. Now it is. <laughs> so this is the Valenti Show with Rico. 97 won the ticket in Detroit. Shout-out to them. They're a sister station of ours. They are in hell right now. They are stuck in this game. So much so, they're going back to opening night of the NFL to say, we already beat the Chiefs. 
So if you didn't blow this game, we would have went to the Super Bowl five months later and beat the Chiefs again and had a parade down Woodward. Like, that is where the hosts of Detroit radio are stuck right now. And it sucks, man. That's sports. It is grown men watching other grown men and <laughs> agonizing over this stuff. And we're going to get back to the phones. But, you know, I look at this Knicks team and I think about how it's going to end. And I'm not a Knicks hater. I definitely hate some of the fair weather, half brain Knicks fans that, you know, just pop up and say everything that comes to their minds. But I'm a New Yorker. I'm here every day. I'm on the fan in New York. I would love to see any team in New York win a championship and bring a parade here. It's time for the Knicks to go all in. Ben is in Bernardsville, New Jersey, on the fan. Go for it, Benny. Hey, Keith. How's it going? Good, good. Thanks for checking in with us. All right, Keith. This might sound a little bit crazy, but I think the Knicks need to go all in this season by trading for Golden State's very own Steph Curry. Doesn't sound I mean, that he's crazy. Bring a winning Evan, Evan had that. Evan had a whole like uh, two hours. Did you hear Evan's take with that, or did you come up with this on your own? Like I, I think like a month and a half ago, Evan had a, a afternoon drive show where he came in with this take. Me and my dad have been talking about this for a while. Okay, go on. All right, he's gonna bring a winning culture to this team. He's got four rings and a Finals MVP. He's gonna fill a scoring need that we have now without quickly and. I know Randall's injury had optimism, but he's still going to miss time. And who knows if he's going to be the same coming off of that shoulder injury. And I think he's going to fit perfectly with Jalen Brunson in that backcourt. He's someone who he'll run around the court for all 22 seconds. Then he'll get an open three and he'll knock it down. And that's something that the Knicks could use. Uh, Another three-point score. Our three-point shooting has definitely taken a jump this year with Dante DiVincenzo. But Mm -hmm. Steph Curry would put us over the top. And in the NBA Finals. Oh, yeah. Like Steph, Steph to came to the Garden broke the all-time three-point record. What, what are you going to give up for Steph, right? What are you going to give to Golden State? It's a trade. What are you going to give to Golden State for them to actually give up the face of their franchise, everyone's favorite player, the best player in their franchise history? Um, I think it's a lot of picks. The Knicks are absolutely balling right now. I don't know if you guys are watching this. They just keep shooting threes, and they're going in. It is it is Brunson and DiVincenzo having their way. Uh, I'm with you, Ben. I'm watching this game. I'm telling PB, Dante's so he looks up at the tonight. screen. But, I mean, with the picks, I mean, we're, we have so many first-round picks over the next, um, I think it's eight years or so, and then we have an expiring contract in Evan Fournier. But for the Warriors, they're looking to rebuild right now. They want picks and young talent. So if it, it's going to probably mean giving up Quentin Grimes, which I can live with. Dante would move to the bench and um, fill, fill in Quentin Grimes' role just like he stepped into the starting lineup earlier in the season. You know they compare and, Steph now to, like, Jordan and Braun. He's in the GOAT conversation. You can't get Steph for Quentin Grimes and some, some first-round picks. <laughs> you know, like, you've got to give them every I mean, They, they, would, have, want, they, they would want Jalen Brunson. They're they're not gonna take um they're not gonna give up uh, Jalen Brunson. Of course, it's just uh, you know it's hypothetical. It, it would never go down. You got to understand that like it's rare in the NBA to find these guys that wear one uniform and want to be in that one uniform. And I think Steph is is the last of that dying breed. I don't think he puts on another uniform. I think he retires as a Warrior. They do everything in their power to keep him there. And if there's a rebuild, they get younger around him. 
they move on from Clay. They move on from like they moved on from Jordan Poole last year. They need to move on from Draymond. Um, I just I don't think that that's ever gonna actually happen. Thanks for the call though, Ben. I I feel like Evan did that show. I know I'm not like I I know yeah PB heard it too. I remember listening to Evan and Tiki, and Evan came in with this whole theory of trading for Steph Curry, and it just it it takes two to tango. <laughs> you don't have enough to take the face of their franchise. They, they there's no deal. There's no deal you could present them. Even in like now that we fast forward, I think Evan probably presented this back in December. Let's say here we are approaching February. They're 19 and 24, 12th place in the West. There's no package that the Warriors are accepting in exchange for Steph Curry, who's won four rings with them. Yeah, Evan. Evan tried to get all of us Knicks fans riled up here with that with that conversation a few months ago. From a Warriors standpoint, it makes sense why they would be willing to finally part ways with him if this year went bad. Draymond had that long suspension at the time. Right. Draymond is back now. Andrew Wiggins looks washed. Clay looks super washed. So, you know, it's easy to to say that, you know, they're a playing team and they might not even make it to the first round of the playoffs. And at that point, do you blow up the dynasty now that Bob Myers, their GM left? Very plausible. Uh, But like you said, they're still going to want everything back. Steph still has two years after this. Yep. So <laughs> he's still competitive, he, ripping his and he's jersey. Still, he's still losing, top five player in the, the NBA. Lakers over the weekend. Like he's still a good player. He's still looking to win. This is not the year they move on from him. And I honestly don't think they ever move on from him. I think he retires in that jersey. They find a way to keep him. Out of all the guys, they find a way to keep him. It's not like at 37, 38, he's gonna lose that three point shot. He might not have right. you know, he might not have the same athleticism. He might not be able to drive to the bucket as much, but he's the best shooter we've ever seen. Exactly. So let's not act like like you said, they're asking for Brunson to start. And they're asking for every first round pick the Knicks have for the next four years. It's not happening. Let's go to Massachusetts. John, you're on the fan in New York. What's up? Hey, Keith. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> Having fun. Thanks for calling. Excellent. Excellent. We actually spoke once before, and I was happy that you kind of confirmed my premise that, you know, I'm kind of a superstitious person, but what baseball player isn't? And I just really feel, living up here in Massachusetts, that a great deal of what, went, what was going wrong for the Red Sox historically was not Babe Ruth, <clears throat> but just honestly, their own negativity, period. And I, I'm remembering something. I, I, re, I rewatched the 2001 Patriots season, and something clicked. They lost the first game, right, Bledsoe? And the second game, well, 9-11 happened, and they weren't sure if they were going to finish the season. <clears throat> they decided to do it a couple weeks later. They played the Jets. Uh, Brady, got, Brady came in at the end. The Jets still won. But this inter- is at Foxborough, and this amazing thing happened where they did this whole moment of silence before the game. Joe Andrews was there and actually had brothers from FDNY there in Patriots jerseys, interestingly. And basically, they all decided collectively, we don't boo, we're not going to boo. We can't allow ourselves to boo. And they didn't boo the team the whole year. And they, it just made them play good. It was amazing. And it was like, you remember Trey Turner last year, the, out of nowhere, the Philly stands. They're even more toxic than Mets. <laughs> And they just decided out of the blue, let's do an experiment. Uh, let's just cheer him no well, matter it was, what. It wasn't out of the blue. He was slumping. He was terrible. He even right, said himself I mean, he would I boo know, himself. It, His mom was saying, you deserve to be booed or something along those lines. Right. Well, yeah, you deserve to. But what they realized, what if we're actually kind of feeding into it unintentionally? 
we boom, he, he plays bad, blah, that, blah, that blah. That started on radio. That started on WIP, where Spike, right? where Spike so why came we, from and so Spike my is point going is, back so to. Let, so let's start again here. Do it for, Why not? If you think about it as a fan, and it's very appropriate, this is a fan, what is the one thing we can actually control? I guarantee you, as smart as we all are, they're not taking our advice to get players. We're, it's all, we're, you know... They don't care what we. It, the one thing we can honestly do is cheer or be positive or not. <laughs> and like I, it, it real, it work. It works great. Like if you do New, it before. New York is not Philadelphia. I know it's a hard. It's a hard sell. It's I know. Not I'm just trying Boston, to make. A, I'm trying Foxborough. to make a case. Yeah, I, no, I, I know. I know. I hear you. Thanks for the call. I'll speak to my experience. I've been to hundreds of games at Yankee Stadium over the last 15 years or so. I've been to a bunch of games at. Barclays Center, uh, Madison Square Garden, MetLife Stadium. You don't control anybody in there. People that pay to get into those games, there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of alcohol, and there's a lot of people that don't even know what they're looking at. They're going to boo. They're going to boo Aaron Judge. It, it just is what it is. Uh, it's, it's the Bronx cheer specifically on 161st Street. It'll never work here. It'll never happen here. And I, I just I just know that. You can never get on air and call for, hey, this guy's John Carlos Stanton is sucking right now. He's batting 190 right now. Instead of booing him when he has his next golden sombrero, let's all stand up and applause. No, because somebody's gonna be pissed off that they spent two hundred bucks on a ticket and the Yankees haven't scored a run and John Carlos Stanton keeps striking out. And they're gonna boom. I mean, look at Joey Gallo. They try, you know, there were some fans that literally tried that with Joey Gallo at the end. Come on, guys, we gotta be positive. Some people are just negative people. <laughs> as soon as Joey Gallo, as soon as he's coming from the on-deck circle, there <laughs> were Yankee fans, boo. This guy sucks. You could hear the rumblings. It'll never go down in New York. There's too many of us. And uh, I always make the joke: the greatest rivalry in baseball is Yankee fans versus other Yankee fans. Yankee fans do not agree, agree on a, a damn thing. There will never be a time where you can control Yankee fans. I, I tried to call for an end to the FL Tuve chance. A lot of us did. Like, come on. Do you not watch the games? You're giving this guy power. Every time you chant FL Tuve, he comes up, he hits a bomb. The Astros own us, that FL Tuve stuff. You're doing it when he's not there. I'm checking the out-of-town scoreboard. Damn, the Astros are... are or kicking the Angels' ass. What happened? Oh, well, in uh, 236, they're chanting F. Altuve. Altuve's got two home runs in the first five innings. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little... 
or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast like 101.9 fm tuesday night club still going up on a tuesday km to am 877-337-337 you know the rest of the number. We'd like to hear from you. We're talking sports. So before the break, I was talking about how, you know, fans, you can't control fans. No one can. There will never be a time. Definitely not in this city. It's too massive. There's too many of us. Like, WIP was able to engineer the whole, let's cheer for our $330 million shortstop in Trey Turner, who's slumping, so we'll turn it around. And that's great, it worked, but Philadelphia is not New York. Like, that was able to reach everybody through social media, through the radio, and they actually did it in the ballpark, and good for them. What did it turn into? They win the World Series? No. I guess they started to get their money's worth out of the first-year free agent they signed, but, like, that's it's just not going to happen here. I, I gave you the example of Aaron Judge being booed. This <laughs> is like, they booed Judge? Like, come on, bro. A generational talent like that? Uh, I know Morash called for us to not boo Juan Soto. Impossible. If Juan Soto struggles once, boo. Somebody's booing. There's a lot of times I'm in Yankee Stadium, and I'm like, there are people that are just here to get drunk and boo anybody. Aaron Boone. Anybody. Rizzo, Volpe. Like, nobody is above the Bronx cheer. So... I don't think that's ever going to happen here. And you can pull examples from, I don't know, the Patriots and 9-11. That was a way different time. I mean, back then it was different too. Nobody had a cell phone and people probably were, you know, very heavy hearted. And, you know, if you're if you're a type of person to boo in that situation after 9-11, you probably got a bunch of people looking at you like, what the hell is wrong with you? Now we came out of COVID. People were booing, <laughs> people were booing the Yankees when they were letting 10% of the stadium in. I remember going to the stadium. They're shoving chopsticks up my nose for the COVID test that you could get at the urgent care and even the van outside. And the Yankees were terrible the 2021 season to start the season. I remember thinking that those 10% tickets were going to be scarce. The Yankees ticket office finessed me. This was before I was on WFAN. I didn't have any connections. I paid a lot of money to go to those first like 12 home games. And the Yankees were bad. I remember one night. 
we were playing the Tampa Bay Rays, and I think it was like, a, I don't know, six or seven nothing shutout. And some kids from Fordham were there. And I don't know where they got all these baseballs from. I guess maybe some of the, the outfielders threw them. They started throwing baseballs on the field because the Yankees were so bad. That same night, Glaber Torres didn't hustle to first base. And I remember being cold and mad. Shout out to my boy, Joe's McFly. I remember we did the podcast that night, and we called it cold and mad. Like, why the hell are we going to the stadium? To root on these guys coming out of a pandemic, we got to get COVID tests to even enter here. The seats are taped up. The seats are overpriced. They can't score. I think we were watching Jay Bruce at first base and just leaving cold and mad. 877-337-6666. Seth is in Somerset, New Jersey, next up on the fan. Hey, Keith. Big fan like always. Appreciate hey, it, man. Listen, I, I'm I'm a big Red Sox fan, and listen, so from way back in the day, the, the big Yankee fans forced my guy, my favorite pitcher of all time, to say the Yankees are my daddy. Mm-hmm. There's no way they would ever allow anyone to be cheered when they suck. There's no chance. It just doesn't fan. work like that. I've never seen and I'm like, it. I know I haven't been going to the stadium. I started going to the stadium really in the like 2010s, now 2020s. I just never have been in there where somebody is above getting booed. Of course, because I mean, I was I was there for the Boone home run, and I was I, and and from from my point of view, I I got some props for myself because I made my friend leave in the fifth inning because we were ahead, and I I made him just go home on the train before they came back and won, and it was a a, a good a good win at the, for them at, overall at the end, and it was a great time, and and they were they're great winners. But when they when they don't win, it's really bad. There's one night I was there, you know, at stands before we even won. And these are chant nineteen eighteen, when before I even walked into the bar, like nineteen eighteen because I'm wearing Red Sox gear. Yeah, the and then curse. all of a sudden I get hit in the face with a pipe, and then that's how it Somebody was. Somebody hit you in the, the face with a pipe. They swung a pipe on you. Yes, yeah, scars on my on my right eye. Oh man. That's yeah, I know it used to be really. I mean, it's the Bronx, and I know it used to be really rough. Yeah, but again, and I was only wearing Red Sox because it was a Yankee uh, uh, Cleveland game. So I was rooting for the, the Yankees to finally win because I needed to get in the, in, into the playoffs. And Manny hit three home runs that night. Yeah. And then next thing you know, I was uh, yeah Friday night no, in I'm the Bronx. So, I know. I'm sorry to hear yeah. that. I've I've seen it with with my own two eyes. Thanks for the call, Seth. I've seen some guys get dropped in the Bronx for no reason besides just wearing the wrong thing. And, I mean, all those years ago before people really had cell phones and before the police presence was really out there like that on uh, River Ave, that's crazy. That's cra- I'm trying to envision. Like, now they're not swinging no pipes outside of stands. I did not see that story going there. No. He got that off, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean to, I don't mean to laugh. No, I don't I'm mean to laugh. at you. <laughs> <laughs> he, he got that off. He started talking about uh, the Aaron Boone game and, uh, you know, the who's your daddy. And he said, yeah, I, you know, I showed up there with my Red Sox gear on. And, I mean, we I, I'm, I'm come, I come out of the bleachers. If you show up to Yankee Stadium and your team's not playing and you're wearing a jersey of the Red Sox or the Mets, you are literally asking for that attention. And there are characters in there that cannot wait. To give it to you. Yeah, and he was just like, yeah, you know, I was getting the 1918. I'm, I'm thinking he's about, to, you know, just like saying, you know, I was getting booed and like somebody threw something at me uh, and he just, I got hit in the face with a pipe. Bro, I've heard My stories God, from the OG creatures, from the old stadium, Section 39, and now it's, 
it's a lot more subdued and and <laughs> shout out to security. I know Ida and some of them other cats, they regulate, they keep things under control. It's not as wild in the bleachers as it used to be. Some some fights and little things still pop off, but like River Ave on a Friday night, like the, you guys have heard me, I'm like my fr- my favorite night to go to Yankee Stadium is Friday night cuz anything could happen. And if uh you know, the drinks are flowing and the Yankees are winning. It's, it's a different time now, but I can only imagine back then. I was too young back then to be out there. I wasn't. Uh, that's you know. assault, brother. Yeah, that's assault. And, uh, I mean, I've seen some people get assaulted outside of all of those establishments and get away with it. It's, it's wild. Protect your neck. Watch your back. It's New York. You, you're stepping into the Bronx. You got to know that. Be careful. It's not sweet. Rob is in New Britain, Connecticut. Let's go to Rob on the fan. What's going on, Keith? You know, watching this Knicks game, it's over. And just, you know, having conversations about sports and fandom and going to games and booing. And, you know, who knows where we'll we'll be by 10, 30, 11, 30, 12 o'clock. Well, we're all going to be having fun like we always do. Listen, I was calling about the Mets. Yeah. And, you know, here's the deal. You don't want to sign J.D. Martinez? Who's, who's going to back up uh, Alonzo this year? At first base, uh, Mark Vientos. No, no, no. I mean, who's going to back uh, who, up in the lineup? Who's going to protect him in the lineup? Uh, I was looking at a, a projected lineup for the Mets. I don't know. I was listening to Evan talk about it. He's not. He never has protection. It's a. It's Alonzo versus uh, whoever. That's why they throw at him. It's, it's, Nobody exactly. ever has his back. Put in Martinez. Put in Martinez. Jeff McNeil's due for a good year. He's uh, up and down every year. Last year wasn't his greatest. This year he's going to go for a batting title again. He's going to be in the, in, the, in the mid, you know, like 330, 320. That's what he's going to do. Alvarez is going to come back. Why are they giving up on the season already? And penny pinching on, like, let's talk ten, $8 million? You know? Yeah, so I, I talked mean, about, either. you know, when I saw the Justin Turner news, <clears throat> I'm like, why wouldn't they – a one-year deal for Justin Turner? Why wouldn't they – do that, and I was talking about it weeks ago because I felt like it would have been the feel-good signing, thirteen oh, million dollars. Like, are they really holding on to that Andy Martino report that came out on uh, January 9th saying that they only had ten million dollars left to spend? You can't tell me that when you have the billionaire richest owner in the sport that now you only have ten yeah. million to spend. Doesn't Never make any mind sense. A billionaire, a billionaire who promises like the world, and guess what? There is no series. So why are you giving up on eight, you know, with $10 million? It's David Stearns. If, if you it's give David me a moment, Stearns. I just heard the guy talking about getting hit with the pipe at the Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Here's how you – listen, I'm a big Mets fan. I, I go up to Fenway to watch the Mets play the Red Sox, and I know they're going to give me trouble. You know how I handled that? I brought my 1986 Bill Buckner. Right? Jersey? What are you saying? <laughs> no, no, no. I brought two baseball cards. Who do you think I brought? You brought your okay. So you brought the baseball card. Will you present these baseball cards when they present the pipe? When they started running their mouths, I pulled out Bookie Wilson and, and Phil Buckner, <laughs> and I didn't have to say nothing, and they couldn't say nothing. They they melted. Was, they just shut up. They started laughing. Was, <laughs> they wilted in front of you. It was the best thing. Thanks for the call, Rob. I don't know where we're going tonight. We got to take a break. This is fun, though. So now we're talking uh, going to stadiums. Call me up with your stadium stories. I've never been to Fenway because younger me, I already know I would have been in trouble. I might not get home going to Fenway. Still haven't been up there. Um, I've obviously been to Yankee Stadium. That's my home stadium a million times. And 
I've been to City Field a bunch of times. It doesn't get that crazy anymore. I honestly was talking about the uh, September 11th weekend of 2022. Was it 2022? No, it was 2021. That weekend at City Field with the Yankees up there, the Yankees only won that one game. That was a game I went to. That weekend was nuts. And we're back. About some of the Keep me fishing on the fan. Your nighttime host talking sports, taking calls. Before the break, we were talking to a Mets fan who was a little disgruntled about what the Mets were doing. And I said Tim Healy would join us. We were able to go track him down. Sorry for the delay, Tim. But thank you for the time tonight. Let's bring in Tim Healy right now. What's up? Not very much. Thanks for having me. How are you? Great. We just got a little carried away with a few different stories. Um, you know, we were talking about the Mets and what they have done or not really done. And then that led into conversations about rivalries and City Field and Yankee Stadium and Fenway Park <laughs> and booing players and not booing players. And uh, I do want to bring it back around. We have Mets beat writer Tim Healy from Newsday Sports joining us. I think the news of today, obviously this morning we saw Justin Turner sign for one year, $13 million with the Blue Jays. And I think myself and a lot of other fans, whether you're a Mets fan or not, we were like, that's not a move that the Mets could have made. What did you think when you saw that uh, JT decided to go up north and join the Canadian squad? I thought it was fine because I never really expected the Mets to sign him. If the Mets do want to add a DH-specific guy, honestly, I would expect him to try to get a better hitter than Justin Turner, who is still fine, but I don't know that he would really move the needle that much for the Mets in 2024. So there are still a few DH types out there. I am not expecting necessarily for the Mets to sign one of them, but if they do, I think Turner would probably be the you know fourth of four options. Yeah, I, you know what I said, and, and it, it comes off like I'm joking, but I'm not even joking. I think that $10 million budget that was left is true, and you sign Adam Adovino over the weekend, and he signs for $4.5 million, so you wouldn't have been able to use the $10 million on a $13 million yeah. DH anyway. What do you think about Adovino? What I've said from last night and tonight about Adovino was he did a great job popping up on SNY, popping up on MOB Network, talking the game, and then talking about his own situation. It was almost like a little bit of a campaign. He talked about opting out, but I think he saw how the team came together, whatever. He's a New Yorker. He he comes right back. So what do you think about Adam Adovino opting out but re-signing and him uh, running it back with the Mets and being in that Mets bullpen this year again? I like the Mets bringing him back. He was good last year. He was even better the year before. So that they have him back in that late inning fold makes a lot of sense. He is a local guy, has the plenty of New York experience, just like you said. He's a good guy to have in the clubhouse. So it makes a lot of sense. The Mets needed somebody like that, if not two somebodies who can help carry that late inning load with Edwin Diaz and Brooks Raley and whoever else might emerge. So Adam Adovino coming back makes it a ton of sense. The the whole opt-out situation from October was kind of weird. Um, I think Adam Yadavido maybe didn't necessarily find the market he was expecting in right. free agency. Um, but there are worse outcomes for players than, you know, $4.5 million guaranteed uh, and being able to live at home with 
you know, your wife and young kids and all that stuff. Yeah, that's what I was saying last night. That's awesome. I'm like, man, I wish I figured out how to pitch at 38 years old to <laughs> opt out and just say, all right, well, I'm about to make $4.5 million next year, go back and pitch another year. I said, I hope I make I hope I make $4.5 million in my life. <laughs> I think I will. Yeah. But, like, to just, all right, go back and, and, and grab that, it, it's awesome. So, uh, congrats to the Mets and Adam Adovino. That's another friend for Luis Severino. I'm sure he's familiar with Carlos Mendoza. Uh, another conversation I've been having is the difference between, you know, the Mets grabbing Carlos Mendoza, the bench coach, Luis Severino, uh, arguably the worst starter on the Yankees rotation last year, and Harrison Bader, who the Yankees literally put on waivers and cut ties with, you know, grabbing those guys from an 82 and 80 season and depending on them this upcoming year is way different than signing a Marcus Stroman who had a stint with the Cubs and even going to check on a Noah Syndergaard who has been on four different teams uh, since, since the Mets. What do you think the Mets are really hoping for with these former Yankees? Do you think that they're looking at these guys like they're going to stick, or do you think these were just moves that David Stern made, David Stearns made because they know the market, they're familiar with this area, and if they don't work, there's some other young guys that are going to come up and fill in? I think that's pretty much it. Both of them are one-year contracts. They are stopgap options on a team that, let's be honest, is in, is in transition in 2024. The Mets, <laughs> the Mets in 2024 are going to look a lot different than they did last year and probably a lot different than they're going to look in 2025 and beyond. So it's Severino in the rotation, Bader in center field. The Mets get upside plays, essentially. If the Mets are going to be good this year, if they're going to make the playoffs, then they need some things to go their way. And Luis Severino, as terrible as he was last year, as injury-prone as he has been for the last few years, you know that that ceiling is there. His velocity was still there last year, even when he was ineffective. You can see how the Mets might take an optimistic viewer. There is an optimistic version of Luis Severino for one year. Same with Harrison Bader. I am a big Harrison Bader fan. Unfortunately for him, that's mostly in theory a lot of times than in reality because he's always hurt. But if you bat Harrison Bader eighth or ninth and you let him play center field most days and do his thing, catching every fly ball out there, then, again, you can see how there's some upside there. And if things fall right for the Mets, Harrison Bader could be one of those things. Um, that said, I, I don't think the Mets are really going to be that good in 2024. Uh, so if either or both of those players aren't good, if they're part of the problem, then, oh, well, you know, it's only a one-year contract, and the Mets think they have some players coming up behind them. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm one of the only hosts on WFAN, and I'm obviously a Yankees fan, so – you know, some people aren't taking this too seriously, but I'm one of the only hosts that have been saying, I don't think the Mets are going, going to be as bad as we're writing them off to be. I don't think the Mets are going to be as bad as they were last year. The bar is so low at Very 75 low. wins. I think they can surpass that. I talked about watching them in June not win a single series. I think that that doesn't happen. I don't think they go a whole month without winning a, a, a series. And then when I look at the team, I'm like, did Edwin Diaz sign that contract to not come back and compete? Francisco Lindor is in his prime. Is he not going to step out there and compete? Pete Alonso is trying to make his money. Is he not going to step out there and compete? Nimmo's got his money. He's going to compete. McNeil signed a good deal. 
He's going to compete. There are young guys like Francisco Alvarez that are trying to prove themselves. Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos, and some of these younger guys coming up like uh, Luis Angel Acuna and Gilbert. And I just feel like when we write off professional athletes to say how bad they're going to be, it doesn't work like that. They're not the Oakland A's. Like, they have some talent. They have some some big money contracts. I think they're going to run into some wins. I think that if Carlos Mendoza is a good manager and these guys have a chip on their shoulder, they can surprise a lot of people. What do you think? I don't know what the over-under is set for the Mets win total this year, but I just don't think that they, they, they win 75 games. I think they can win closer to 82 like the Yankees won 82 this past year. I agree with that. <laughs> 2023 was such a disaster for the Mets that it would be difficult for them to be even worse in 2024. Yeah. So I'm with, I'm with you. I think they're going to be better. The Mets have been pretty straightforward about their all-season plan and their goals for 2024. David Stearns has said that they plan to compete for a playoff spot. These days, with this playoff format, that is a very low bar. And the Mets should be able to reach that. Competing for a playoff spot means, with all these wild card spots, into September, through September, finishing in that low to mid-80s win total, that's totally doable. Like I said, if some of those things fall right for them, if Severino, Bader, etc., there is a version of the 2024 Mets that, yeah, sure, they make the playoffs. I'm not sure how much noise they would make once they get there, but... We've seen the past couple of years, you don't actually need to be that good to go to the World Series. So right. the Mets this year, in addition to evaluating their young guys, are trying to open to catching lightning in a bottle, which does happen sometimes. So I agree with your point. I don't think they're going to be atrocious. I don't think they're the worst team in the division. I'd say probably rank them third right now. But, the uh, you know, it's, it, it kind of is what it is. They're going in with low expectations externally and going to play with house money a little bit. Yes. Uh, Starling Marte, stay healthy. Harrison Bader, stay healthy. Surprise some people. Young guys, take a step forward after you had a little bit of experience last year. The pitching, let's talk about the rotation. I don't think the rotation is as bad as people want to say either. Honestly, Severino had a terrible year. As a Yankee fan, it hurt to watch him get forced out there, especially while the Yankees were trying to win. But he's a competitor, and he's fiery. And when he's on, he's on. So if he's able to tap back into that, he might be better than people think. Sean Manaya is a guy that Yankee fans wanted the Yankees to trade for a couple years ago. Uh, we ended up trading for Frankie Montas at the deadline, but Sean Manaya is a guy that probably has something to prove still at this point in his career. Jose Quintana, Kodai Senga, Adrian Hauser. Like, we'll see what happens. But uh, I think what the conversation, you know, where the conversation really stops is when you look around the division. Because you understand what the Braves are. They're a juggernaut. Yeah. You understand that Philly, they have so many guys that can bang, and they've had back-to-back runs in the postseason. And then last year, the Marlins took a step forward. So how do you expect them to compete in the AL East? I mean, I, I know it doesn't. It, it looks bleak. I know it doesn't look great. It does look bleak because the Braves are an absolute powerhouse. The Phillies have gone deep into October two years in a row. So I, I would put them at third right now. I don't think the Marlins are any good, and the Nationals aren't going to be good yet for as many prospects as they think they have coming. So the Mets are on paper right now in late January. They're the definition of mediocre. They're probably third in the division. They're probably a 500 team plus or minus a couple wins. So they're thoroughly in the middle of the pack. So 
like I said, the expectations won't be high. There's, you know, to your point about the rotation, there's no DeGrom, Scherzer, Verlander this year. But, you know, it's it's almost like a it's a very David Stearns rotation, a very David Stearns roster where there are some good pieces. Maybe the sum of the parts is greater than them individually, but it's not there aren't any big sexy splashes of the off season and uh you know, that's what Mets fans have very quickly become accustomed to in a couple of years under Steve Cohen, but just not so much during this transition year. We're on the phone right now with Tim Healy, who covers the Mets for Newsday Sports. Uh, you know, I mentioned the Braves. Did you see what Travis Darno had to say uh, coming out of, I guess, the Braves Fan Fest? A kid asked him, which team yeah. makes you most angry when you play against them? And he said the New York Mets. But then he went on to write online and say, you know, uh, I'm disappointed in not winning the World Series, and I'm disappointed in how I played over there. I got a kick out of that because the video, too, for any, you know, I recommend anybody who hasn't seen it to track it down because <laughs> uh, there's a long period of silence and laughter before Darno actually says the Mets because you just know what's coming. Yeah. Aside from, you know, the Mets and Braves have a rivalry, there's Darno's personal history. <laughs> Don't forget that he missed a year with Tommy John, yep. rushed, rushed back on the back end of that rehab, and then barely played for a couple of weeks, and then got cut. And then he you know, went on to uh, uh, do just fine with briefly the Dodgers and then the Rays that season before catching on with the Braves. So, yeah, I don't blame, I don't blame him at all. I think the Mets is the obvious answer there. And even though all of the decision-makers – from that Darno saga are long gone, of course he's going to hold it against them for the rest of his career. And sometimes that drives guys. If that drives you, then power to you, I guess. He's a great player. Mets would uh, do well to have somebody like Darno. Okay, Tim, last question. What do you say to the Met fan that is just discouraged right now as this offseason is coming to an end? They're going to be in Port St. Lucie soon. Not excited about spring training. Not too excited about opening day. You have the richest owner in the sport and I don't know, some three years. You're changing course from going out and buying all these players to taking this David Stearns, Milwaukee Brewers approach. What do you say to the fans to get them excited? Or maybe you don't say that at all. Well, if people are having problems getting excited and getting the blood flowing about the 2024 Mets, I get that because on paper – it is what it is, as we've said, but it's, I view it as the start of something. One of the Mets' big goals this year is to figure out what they have in their young players. Beatty, Alvarez, Vientos, some of the others who haven't touched the major leagues yet. And so 2024 isn't about only 2024. It's about year one of starting something sustainable, which is the buzzword in front offices that I kind of hate. But in this case, it's true. The Mets tried the Bio World Series approach. It backfired in the most insane way. And now they're going to do what Steve Cohen wanted to do from the beginning. He took some detours along the way when he couldn't find the right GM. But now he thinks he has the right GM. So we're going to see what happens. Yeah. I mean, that payroll is still really high and you got to get through this year and Hope that you do win some games and uh, find some young talent and then look forward to the future. Tim, thanks for joining us tonight. Happy to. Anytime. 877-337-6666. We're rolling right along. The Knicks 
defeat the Utah Jazz in the Garden, 118 to 103. And we're taking your calls the rest of the night till 12. Well, I'm taking your calls the rest of the night till 12. C-Mac will come through and do the same for five hours. This is Keith McPherson on the fan. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.